Hello and welcome to the Stuck Brain Podcast. All things mental health with a different approach. We look at the research, but we also discuss real life experience. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stuck Brain Podcast. My name is Eric Osterland and I am your host for the day. Today we have a great guest named Dave Dubois. He is a meditation teacher, a psychedelic guide, and an integration coach. You can find out more about Dave at his website, which is radicalbalance.net. Now, this is an eight-part meditation series. If you're coming to us new, please go to episode one, meditation one, and start from there. They are linear, and it makes sense to listen to them in order. Now, you can listen to one a week, or you can listen to them all at once. That's up to you. Dave is helping me set up my own meditation practice, and we are going over the small things that stop most of us from meditating. We know through research, meditation is beneficial for almost everybody. So this is important to me, and it's important to mental health in general. Lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast, please give us a review in iTunes and follow us. It helps us tremendously. Also, you can go to Instagram and find the Stuck Brain Podcast. We have discussions there weekly. You can also go to the stuckbrainpodcast.com and you can see the show notes. With that being said, let's dive in. Good morning, Eric. How are you doing today? Pretty good. So we're on week seven, I think, and you gave me a lot of homework last week. Good, positive homework. Yeah. So let me, should I start with recapping? I'd love that. Okay. So. I was doing eight minutes before, and then we decided that I would do eight, pause, and then come back to it and either add five or eight or however I felt. I'll be honest with you. I did that a couple times, mainly because of scheduling, right? Like I did, I sat down, did the first eight, and then I was like, oh, I got to go to work. And then I had to take off. But I want to say this, the couple times that I did do it, the eight minutes and then kind of took a break, did a couple things and then came back and sat down. The second meditation was for lack of a better word, stronger or deeper. Yeah. Right. It's almost like I primed the pump with the first meditation and then the second one was deeper. I feel like this week I want to stay with that instead of going to 10 minutes. I want to see if I can get more second times in there. This morning I, I did the eight minutes went for a walk, came back, and then had a whole bunch of things to do. But I still want to get that second eight minutes in there. Can I do that later today? I mean, I know I can. I know the answer is yes. But <laughs> what's your thoughts on that? My thoughts are, of course you can. And the thing that I would pay attention to is since you've noticed that there's something stronger or more focused or deeper in that second session, I would ha hold the inquiry, does that persist? over longer gaps? Does that, does that still show up later in the day or does it feel like, oh no, that was more like the first one? Is there a continuity of what you notice as an effect of your practice whenever you end up getting to it or not? Yeah, that's a good question. I wonder what it will look like. Because a couple of times that I did it during the week, it was, I felt like it was pretty profound. You know, and I only did it like 30 minutes later, sat down, got yeah. up, walked around and then sat down again. That's great. What was the other homework you gave me? I'm drawing a blank. Well, the I'm curious to know what your tightening and loosening experience with trying to respond to 
what is going to bring a more settled attention to my practice right now? Is it actually a matter of relaxing and letting my peripheral awareness get a little bit more of the percentage of, of what's going on here? Or is it actually I'm getting dull and I need to start paying even closer attention to the sensations of breathing? Yeah. So I have been moving more towards the peripheral. I noticed that because like you said last time, I kind of fell into that category of, I got to pay attention to the egg on the spoon. Got it. Oh, pay attention and really strict and, and rigid on that. And so this week I purposely was like, you know, I'm going to let that kind of go to a certain extent. So maybe the pendulum swinging a little bit back and I'm getting more into the dull side of it. But I love that you brought that up over the last couple of weeks because it has given me a, a mind frame that meditation doesn't have to be one way, right? It doesn't That's have right. to be all on the all on the egg. I get to kind of fine tune that for myself. And so I'm playing around with it now. I would say I'm falling more towards the outside perception. Right. Which makes sense. I think as, as we were saying earlier that most people, especially in modern industrialized cultures are going to need to work on relaxing and opening in that way that it's it's usually the case that we're coming into this kind of wound up in a certain way yeah and i think that's also the stereotype i was thinking about that because when i when you think of meditation at least in from the western standpoint you think of a guy that can really focus like he's just intensely focused so when you sit down i can see how the beginner that's all they want to do is focus on the egg right. on the spoon because right. that's what in their head is portrayed that that's what we're supposed to be doing. I wonder how, well, let me offer a perspective at this point in, in terms of yeah. how, how your practice has gone this far. In terms of what we've covered and what I'm noticing and what you're reporting back, we spent a while at the beginning really working on the pieces of putting together a meditation practice almost ahead of getting into the technique of the practice itself. What are the roadblocks? What are the, what's a good setup? And then we paid attention to posture and making sure that your body is going to be in a good place to do this. And then we slowly eased into the meditation instruction itself and built up ways to collect the mind and find the object and focus that you're paying attention to, ways to work with distraction and ways to fine tune your relationship to effort and relaxation and awareness and attention. So I, and one of the interesting things too, is you haven't come back with a disastrous week yet, which that, that is what it is. You know, I've always been prepared for, ah, this last week was just totally went off the rails. And that, that could be something to talk about uh, if, and when that actually happens. But what I feel like has happened over the course of these six weeks is that you have gotten your balance and your bearings a little bit with regard to how to do this, this meditation technique and the practices that, that I've, I've offered. An analogy I'd use is it's like you learned how to get up onto a surfboard or a paddleboard and stand in a balanced way, and you've put in some time to cultivating that balance. I think now there is an opportunity to start to try some different things. And we've covered 
you know, maybe one one thousandth of one percentage of what meditation actually is at this point. And it's, it's great, but it's also, as we've discussed, it could be a little boring and, and a little unexciting up to this point, but there's so much more that you can now do having cultivated what you've cultivated over these past six weeks. And I'm interested in talking about over the next week, you taking your practice in some new directions to report back what that's like. And I'm curious how that idea lands for you right now. First off, you hit it right on the head. That analogy with the surfboard, I feel like I'm able to stand up. I'm still wobbly, but now I have the confidence that I can stand up and it's not as stressful because it was in the very first couple of weeks, it was kind of anxiety provoking. Where do I sit? How do I sit? How do I get this going? And now it's starting to become habit. So there's no anxious feelings around just even sitting down. I can sit down and start going. So yeah, I would love more ideas on, to use a surfboard analogy, how to turn the board, how to, you know, get barreled or whatever, you, <laughs> whatever is there and make it not as dull, make it more inviting, I guess. Yeah. Is that the right word? Yeah. Maybe engaging. Engaging. That's yeah. a better word to describe it. Yeah. yeah. Right. So what's what's some ways I can do that? Yeah. I, I'd like to introduce two or three new directions that you can take your practice over the course of the week. And, and I think that what might serve really well for the, the overall podcast audience who's listening along with this would be for us to just include alongside this episode of two to three guided meditations that, that really actually walk you through this next practice that I'm introducing. And it's not that you would always do it with the guidance, but that it would be a, a really good way to get introduced in a way that's a little bit more detailed than we're going to get into during the length of this podcast discussion. So maybe I will, okay. I'll, I'll introduce at a cursory level, these, these three new practices. And then when, when you or listeners are going to actually go do them for the first time or the first few times, you can listen to the guided one and then you can do it on your own. That would be awesome. Great. That would be really awesome. Right. So yeah, let's dive in. So the first thing that we haven't really, we've maybe mentioned this idea before, but haven't actually gotten into with the practice in your case is working with different objects than just the sensations of breathing. Okay. So pretty much the same practice that you have been doing, but instead of gathering your mind and coming down to the sensations of breathing in or around your nose, I would like you to, to change it up and do a meditation session where your focus is visual objects, what you're seeing around you. And, and so the recommendation at the beginning would be to just use a single object, which could be anything like a flower or a stone. You could choose something a little bit <clears throat> more complicated and dynamic, like a tree with wind blowing through it or something like that. But the visual experience that you're having, looking at okay. and perceiving the details of that object, how it's lighted, how it's shadowed, what color it is, what shape it is, everything that your eyes perceive about that object is going to be the focus of your meditation. And everything else, pretty much the same in terms of how you're responding to it, 
the balance between awareness and attention, the gentleness when you notice distraction and you're coming back, all those pieces will be the same. Okay. Now, this is going to be a silly question, but you, I get an actual flower, right? It's not a flower that I'm visualizing in my mind. That's right. That's, this is actually not too silly of a question. I think it's a really good question. We haven't come upon a shared model of mind that we're using to talk about in meditation yet, which is oftentimes a useful thing to, to pick a framework and agree on some language. But I'll just say we're talking what technically you're focusing on in this particular practice is a visual consciousness, which is different than recollecting a flower that you've seen in the past. You're going to be looking at something that is presenting in and occurring in visual consciousness in the present moment during this practice. Yeah. Okay. I'm really excited about this one for a couple different reasons. One, every time I've meditated, I've always had my eyes closed. That's just mm -hmm. how I learned it. So this will be exciting. And then two, this kind of reminds me of, there was a story of Van Gogh where he would take a flower and he would stare at it and he would try to find every color and, and stripe and everything in it. So when he painted it, it would look like a real flower kind of thing. Yeah. So it feels like almost like th that intensity. Yes. And what you're saying reminds me of or is worth noting the very thing we were just talking about in terms of effort and relaxation, that you may notice that when you put your attention that intensely into the flower, that your mind might get stirred up and you might get distracted more than if you settled upon a slightly lighter attention on the flower. And again, this is something that you'll discover as the practice goes and as you observe how excited or distracted your mind becomes as you engage with the flower or whatever else you might be looking at. Yeah, I'm excited for this. And I even see this going outside of meditation because there's going to be a little bit of time finding that object. So what do I want to look at, right? And and that in itself is going to be like kind of an outside meditation window activity. Does that that's what I'm picturing. Yes, and for that reason you might select and prepare the object ahead of time as opposed to heading out into the world and wandering until you find something. You can do that, but often still doing it in the simplicity of the place that you've already been practicing and just bringing in something extra to place in front of you can be, you don't have to deal with a bunch of new situations and new components. You're just bringing in one thing other than the breathing. Yeah. And that's how I picture it. So I'm going to go find something that I want to look at. Now, this is another weird question, I think. Sure. Would you recommend, like, let's say I had an old photograph and I would look at that I was thinking like some memorabilia, something that was given to me, but at the same time, that already has preconceived thought patterns with it, right? And emotions already attached to it. So I would imagine it would be best to pick an object that I have no attachment to. Starting simpler is usually the recommendation. There's all sorts of interesting stuff to be discovered with what you were just talking about, like a photograph or a piece of memorabilia that holds certain memories and significances but that's so much more complicated than starting with as you said something that's neutral or that you don't have any associations with so i would recommend starting with something neutral or simple 
Okay. I'm honestly, I'm really excited about this activity. Great. I really am. Great. Well, there's, there's more also. I w- this, is a, this is akin to, okay, now that you're on the surfboard, I want to point out three different spots along the shore that we could paddle over to right now. Yeah. And that, so that, so that, that's one of them, and, and it sounds like you're digging that. And the second one at that very same spot would be to use sounds okay. as the object of your meditation. And the soundscape is a really interesting focus for meditation because it's not in your control. It's moving. It has combinations of sound and silence and coming from different directions. And so it's, it, it poses its own interesting, unique qualities to, to pay attention to. Okay. And that would be another one in terms of this, this area that I'm talking about of changing your meditation object or your meditation focus. Okay. And I'm, I'm proposing visual objects and auditory objects as your focus. All right. So auditory, let's dive into that one. Let's pull that one apart a little bit. Sure. Do you recommend like a soundtrack? Do you recommend like just listening to, I hear things in the background, a dog bark, a car drive by, or do you recommend the bells? Well, there are all sorts of meditation bells that have, that have different uses and different names. I am recommending for this one, starting with the spontaneous background noises that you happen to hear, which if you're doing it in the house might involve more fans and motors and furnaces or air conditioners and refrigerators. And if you're out in the world outside your house will probably involve more birds and cars and airplanes and various things like that happening. Okay. All right. No need in this case to contrive anything or bring in a particular sound source okay that would again be a further down the line addition that you at some point you might take a piece of solo instrumental music like a flute piece or something like that and and use that as the thing you're paying attention to but for right now i would recommend the spontaneous interplay of background noise okay perfect yeah i can do that one for sure okay Second practice that I want to introduce for this week or the the upcoming times, you're going to have a certain challenge to decide what you're actually going to do before any one of these sessions. This next practice is actually intentionally paying attention to thoughts. Okay. So again, starting same as the other techniques, you're going to begin by checking in with your intention, but then you are going to turn your attention to any words or sentences or, and this may sound funny to call it this, but voices that may be going through your head, the very ordinary internal monologue or dialogue, the narration and the thoughts that are running in the background. Those are, rather than the thing to lightly touch and come back to something else, you're going to just let those thoughts be what you are paying attention to. Okay. And the only thing that I would suggest you're going to deprioritize is the actual content of the thoughts. You're not paying too much attention to what the thoughts are about, but you could pay attention to things like 
are thoughts coming and going quickly or slowly? Are you noticing space in between the thoughts? What is the duration of a, a thought or a stream of thoughts or a train of thoughts that comes along? Are they lasting long? You're not trying to do anything with these and you're certainly not trying to follow them, but you're just noticing what you notice okay. as thoughts come. Yeah, that one will be interesting. Should I pay attention to like if if it's repetitive thought, like a theme, or should I is that too much diving in? No, I think that that's a normal thing. It feels very normal to me to notice. Oh, interesting. I, the the la these feel like three different thought trains that have just come past, but they were all about you know my taxes or something like that. I think it's a really normal thing to okay to notice that you're not. You're not getting into what that means in this case. You're, it, it really is not much more than just a passing noting. Okay. And you, you may notice also that your thoughts don't seem to be functioning in the normal way that they do when you're not paying attention in this way. Sometimes it can almost be like a an empty stage with all the bright lights on and nothing taking place for a little while because you're you're just waiting for the next thought to notice and to pay attention to. It can be a, a peculiar, or, or your thoughts can proliferate and speed up sometimes when you're doing this, and it can become like a, a swarm of bees almost. So you'll, you'll see it, it, it's different from moment to moment and time to time, which is almost part of what you're looking to observe yeah. with this practice. Yeah, that one I'm kind of excited about too. So let's say I, I have a thought, and then I have a body response to that thought. Should I focus on that as well? Or is that diving in too deep? In this case, it would be, it's, it's very interesting. This is almost a mirror image of the previous practice where if you notice that a sensation in your body just pulled your attention away from thinking, that you would just gently notice that and come back to bearing witness to whatever thoughts are happening. Okay, perfect. And there's maybe one really valuable distinction to make at this point. I'm realizing as we're talking about this, there's a really important distinction between thoughts and thinking mm -hmm. that's worth going into for just a moment here. Thoughts are the natural activity of the mind. It's how the mind expresses and, and partially how it experiences itself. If you just go into a meditation retreat for a month and you don't move or do anything or even, you know, if you were somehow able to not eat or ever get up from that seat, you'd still have the mind fabricating thoughts all the time. That's just, that's, that's what it does. That, that tends to die down after some time, but it's normal. Taking one of those thoughts and latching your attention onto it and running with it, adding to it, asking follow-up questions, believing what the story of that thought is. That is what I would describe as thinking, which is distinct from the naturally arising spontaneous stream of thoughts that, that comes out of your mind. We're not encouraging any thinking in this awareness of thoughts practice. It's all really just noticing, almost as if you were sitting by a stream watching leaves flowing down the stream and that's what you're paying attention to but you're not throwing in any leaves on your own and you're not following a leaf 
all the way down the stream or anything like that. You're just noticing the ones that are coming before you. Okay. That actually clears things up. I like that because there is that distinction. And I could see how this could help people even with anxiety and depression because sometimes we get stuck thinking about those thoughts kind of thing. That's right. Right. And we, we tend to believe our thoughts or if I'm having this thought, you know, I'm a bad person kind of thing. And, and thoughts are yeah. just chemical equations. They're just popping off in the brain. That's right. And we don't have to get stuck with them. I'm so glad you bring this up because what you're discussing right now, what you're pointing to is the point of this particular practice of awareness of thoughts. It's to start to contact and recognize the truth that you are not your thoughts, that there's a whole lot yeah. of thoughts that that come and go, that they have a beginning, they have a middle, they have an end, they have space between them, there's discontinuity, and that's all there to, to be observed, which is a really different experience than like a feedback loop of anxiety, for example, where it feels like there's no mm. space and, and it's just digging itself in further. So yeah, the, the point of this practice is to start to notice some more of those truths around how our mind operates. Yeah. So that's three that you gave me. That's right. That's right. So yeah, we can count those as three. And then I have, if you are ready for it, just one more. I would love it. Let's do it. All right. So this, this next practice is about open awareness. Open awareness is a state of mind or an experience where there's no directing the attention towards anything in particular. But there's also no distraction taking place. Okay. We're going to have to dive into this one because this one is, I'm a little lost. So let's dive in. Sure. Yeah. So one of the things that this practice points to or is dependent on is the fact that awareness is always happening. You can't stop being aware. There is always some level of awareness that is spontaneously present and happening without any effort even up to and including the very, very subtle base, well, maybe not subtle, but the very basic awareness that allows you to be woken up in the middle of the night from sleep. If you were completely and totally without awareness, you wouldn't be able to have a bodily consciousness when somebody touches you on the shoulder that would actually bring you out of sleep. And so this practice of open awareness is tuning into the fact that without paying attention to anything whatsoever, awareness is present. Yeah. You don't need to look for it. You don't need to make your mind move in a particular direction for awareness to be there. And this practice is just tuning in to the fact of that awareness. And when you notice distraction in this particular practice, there's nothing to do other than just relax at that moment. You, you at that very moment have reconnected with awareness through just the act of noticing, and then there's nothing to do. You're back. Can you give me an example? Like if I'm sitting there, are you talking like if my leg goes numb to kind of be aware of that and just notice it and then go back to the meditation? Is that kind of what you're talking about? 
things like that will come and go constantly. There will be thoughts, there will be bodily sensations. You are not leading or following any of those. You are resting in the awareness that's already present about any of those things that your attention happens to casually wander over to. Your whole spontaneous field of experience, which is, you know, because of evolutionary pressures, we have a constantly moving, threat-detecting consciousness. That's what evolution selected for. That's not going to stop in this practice. You're just hanging out with the awareness that is behind any and all of that. Okay. Got it. So I'm not necessarily following it. That's right. You're not, you're not following anything. You're not focusing on anything, but you're also not distracted from being aware. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. That one sounds interesting. I'll have to work on that one. Yeah. And remember that for all of these, I'll be giving more useful pointers and nuanced suggestions in the guided meditations for these. It's we're, we're still just, you're not going into each of these without any support. I'll be there with you for the first couple times and there'll be more to say that'll make more sense when we're actually in the practice than I'm going to say right now. Okay, perfect. And these guided meditations, where will they be on your website? There'll be a link to them with the show notes. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. That way everybody can have access to them. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. about these. So for me personally, I am going to start, I wrote them down as we're mm -hmm. talking. So I just wrote them down. I, I'm excited about the visual one. That one sticks out to me personally where I'm at right now. I think that one will be a good one to start with. And then I'll work on that one probably for the next week and then start adding yeah. these other ones. Sounds yeah. good. Sounds really good. That's great. So a lot of great information here. Yeah, I got a lot of good homework and then I'll see you in a week. All right, Eric, good luck with your practice. Once again, thank you for listening to our podcast. And those of you that have taken time to leave reviews and contact us through Instagram, thank you. You can see the show notes at stuckbrainpodcast.com. You can also visit us on Instagram at stuckbrainpodcast, and you can leave what topics you want to hear next.